0: This is With Intrepid Heart Sermons. Sermons by Reverend Adam Moline of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear Christians, today we do take a brief pause from Lent to celebrate the Annunciation. But just as we've been doing for the rest of Lent, even tonight we will look at the Old Testament lesson and find how it is fulfilled in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Tonight's Old Testament lesson is just a brief snippet from Isaiah chapter 7. And with just that brief snippet, it is, in a sense, out of its context. To understand, you really need to read Isaiah 7 all the way through Isaiah 10, and also 2 Kings 16. In these parts of scripture, we learn about King Ahaz. And King Ahaz has a problem. At 20 years of age, he has just become the king of Judah in a rather tumultuous time. His reign begins... At the exact same time as a military conflict, two of his neighbors have banded together and decided to conquer the kingdom of Judah. The combined forces of Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, king of Israel, are on their way to Jerusalem. They've been slightly delayed, but Ahaz knows the political writing is on the wall. Soon they will be at Jerusalem. Soon they will besiege him. And they'll do so at his weakest moment. Put yourself in Ahaz's shoes. What should the king do? What would you do if you were him? Answer that question. God sends the prophet Isaiah to Ahaz to preach a sermon, a sermon of comfort and encouragement in the face of these challenges. And the sermon is even recorded for us right before tonight's Old Testament begins. It goes like this Be careful. Be quiet. Do not fear. Do not let your heart be faint. Within a few years, both of the kingdoms of Syria and Israel will be gone. But if you are not firm in your faith, you will not be firm In anything. That's the sermon. To summarize it, God sends Isaiah to tell Ahaz, God has this covered. Don't worry about it, God will take care of things. But Ahaz, well, he's uncertain. He isn't firm in his faith. He hardly has faith at all. He doubts God's word as it is preached by Isaiah. He feels like he needs to take matters into his own hands. And that brings us to tonight's Old Testament lesson. Because God sends Isaiah back to King Ahaz to say this Ask for a sign of the Lord your God, a sign that all things will be fine, a sign that I'll take care of this issue. Ask whatever you want, as high as you can think, as low as you can think. Ask for this sign so that your faith may be strengthened to believe. The words Isaiah preached. Sounds like a pretty good deal, right? The chance of a lifetime. God's offering King Ahaz a proof that his word is the truth. How often have you wanted a sign like that? A sign to prove that God will save Judah. A sign to prove God is real. A sign to prove God is in control. A sign to prove that this wicked coalition will be defeated by God. But Ahaz refuses to ask for a sign, he's already made up his mind. He's king now. Kings don't have time for God's sermons. We even see this in our politicians today. Ahaz doesn't believe Isaiah's sermon. And he definitely won't accept any sign to prove God exists. No matter what that sign might be, not even should a virgin give birth to someone who would rise from the dead. Ahaz doesn't care. Ahaz doesn't believe. He's made up his mind to harden his heart to reject God's word. So he goes for the political solution. He makes an alliance with Assyria, the up and coming powerful empire. If he makes an alliance with them, he'll have Syria and Israel surrounded on both sides. But by this alliance, Ahaz also seals his confession. Yes, he will win the war and the battle, at least this one, but not by the might of God, but by the might of man. What does this tell us about Ahaz's fate? What does this reveal about his confession of faith? That it's dead. That he doesn't care for God's word. That he'd rather listen to his own sinful heart. He's made the political alliances and party politics... His God instead of the real God. Now, when people do this, when they make government and politics their God, there's all sorts of things that come with this. Other falsehoods that you must embrace. Other fake gods that you must worship. Having embraced Assyria... As Judah's savior, instead of God, Ahaz has removed God from his position. And these other things follow along with it. In the king. Ship of Ahaz, you see these things take place. Ahaz enters the temple that Solomon built. And he begins to tinker and change the worship practices to match his own preferences. When he was in Assyria, aligning with that kingdom, he noticed the way they worship The altar of Baal that they had. And he likes it. So he draws a picture of it. He makes a model of it. And he comes back to Jerusalem to build a replica of it. In the temple of God. To make it fit where, it want, where he wants it to be, he has to move the real altar of God. To make it fit, he has to move the brazen sea sitting on the backs of the twelve bronze bulls. He rearranges the furniture of the temple to his own preference rather than listening to God's word. The sacrifices that were done on God's altar now are done on Ahaz's altar. The sacrifices that had been directed towards the God of Israel Are now directed to the God of Assyria. And even as all of this is going on, as Ahaz tinkers and changes things, the priests of God are silent, refusing to speak against the king. After all, kings can be dangerous. Get so bad that the scriptures tell us Ahaz even offers one of his own sons as a burnt offering, a sacrifice to Molech. Can you think of anything more wicked than human sacrifice? Things become so bad in Ahaz's day, as far as church is concerned, that when he dies and Hezekiah becomes king, no one even knows what they're supposed to be doing in the temple. No one remembers God's word. Our world today really isn't that different, is it? When challenges, difficulties, struggles, sufferings arise in our lives, where do we look for help? From where does your help come? Where do you look for solutions? Is it to the Word of God? Or something else to politics to human ingenuity to your own ideas when 9-11 happened where did you turn did you beg God in prayer to protect you from your enemies who were lying in wait for your life As Psalm 59 encourages us to do. Or did you just trust that the leaders of our nation would figure things out on their own? When the pandemic began, did you repent of your sin and beg God's mercy in these uncertain, challenging times? Or did you expect some official somewhere to make the situation better through human ingenuity and action and organization? Did you expect the church to stay closed because the government's word trumped God's word? On whether or not people should get together. Especially in God's house. When, just a month ago, a conflict began again in our world, did you pray to God for peace? Did you pray for the lives of all of those who were caught in the midst of the carnage? Or... Did you embrace sanctions that our leaders put in place? Did you put a blue and yellow Nebraskans for Peace sign in your yard? Thinking that by your donation, everything would be fine. As you see the carnage on the news, do you pray for Christ to return, to come quickly, to bring this sinful mess of a world to its end? Or does the thought of the end so frighten your weak faith that you'd rather see this sinful world continue, even if it means death, suffering, disease, war, and other Worldliness. Having embraced man's solutions rather than God's solutions, what other false gods do we saddle up with? Have we embraced the false gods espoused by the powers that be? Do we offer up sacrifices to Molech or look the other way, as our neighbors do? No, children are not burned alive to be offered to him anymore. Instead, they're vacuumed out of their mothers piece by piece. Yes, while still alive. Have you put up an altar to Baal? No. But does our society worship Baal and his love of wicked sexuality, supporting prostitutes, both male and female, even if it's only by looking at pictures of them? Have we worshipped Baal by supporting the confusion of genders Have we worshipped Baal by redefining institutions like marriage for political gain? If we've gone down those paths, what happens in God's house? Can we tinker and change things? Should worship be based on our personal preferences rather than what God commands. I have a personal preference for this style of worship. You can have a different personal preference just so long as we don't use God's word to talk about what happens in church. Do you demand that the pastor preach practical sermons? That justify the sinful things that you do rather than to speak the truth of God's word, law, gospel, sin, and forgiveness. Are we any different? Than Ahaz. Of course not. So repent. Dear Christian. Repent. This Lenten season. Repent today on the Annunciation. Repent of your sin. Of worshipping false gods. Repent. Repent. Of this influencing the decisions that you make in your life, your politics, your worship. Repent and trust God's word. Open your ears to Isaiah's sermon. This nonsense will not stand. Do not fear. Do not let your heart be faint. Be careful what you do. Be quiet. And trust that God will act. Listen to Isaiah's sermon. If you are not firm in your faith, you won't be firm in anything. Repent and trust this sermon sent by God through the mouth of Isaiah. And if you struggle to hear that word, If you believe, but only weakly. If you face doubts about God's promised mercy. Then look at the sign that God sent through Isaiah. Behold. The Virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Today at the Annunciation, we celebrate this sign of God, the conception of Emmanuel. On this day, We celebrate that Jesus was conceived by the word preached from the mouth of the angel Gabriel into the ear of the Virgin Mary. Today we celebrate the sign of Emmanuel, born in Bethlehem for one reason and one reason alone, to die at Golgotha. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us in our challenges, in our struggles, in our sufferings, in our pain. God with us in the face of war. God with us in the face of plague. God with us as we are attacked by Baal worship, Moloch worship. God with us as we struggle to trust in the true God, being tempted by countless false gods. Today we look to Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, crucified and risen to forgive the sins of the world and of you and me. Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us. He's present right now. How? In His Word. That's why we worship the way that we do. That's why the style and the rubrics aren't based upon personal preference, but instead upon the truth of God's word. Yes, there is much freedom in what we do, but everything must be centered around God's word so that in the word, God can truly be with us. Emmanuel, he is with us in the water combined with the word. That washes away our sin and clothes us in the resurrected holiness of Jesus. God with us, Emmanuel, in, with, and under the bread and the wine with his own body and blood to feed our faith. Emmanuel, God with us in the words of the liturgy, the hymns, the lectionary, the scriptures. Emmanuel, God with us in our vocations, even outside this building, our jobs, our homes, as fathers lead their families in the faith, as mothers lead and love their children in the faith. God is with us. And against him... The world's lies cannot stand. So, hear Isaiah's sermon again as you keep your eyes on the sign that accompanies this word of God. Be careful, be quiet. Do not fear for God is with you Be firm in the faith God is with you The wickedness of this world it cannot stand God is with you No enemy can truly conquer you, not even if you die. For God is with you and has himself defeated death and promised that world without end, you shall also be with him. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This has been With Intrepid Hearts Sermons by Pastor Adam Moline. The words, With Intrepid Hearts, come from the conclusion to the Book of Concord, where it is written... By God's grace, with intrepid hearts, we are willing to appear before the judgment seat of Christ with this confession and give an account of it. We will not speak or write anything contrary to this confession, either publicly or privately. By the strength of God's grace, we intend to abide by it.